you are now tuning into the Four Feathers podcast brought to you by Chicago Sports Nation. Hello and welcome to episode nine of the Four Feathers podcast. I am Johnny Nani. I'm joined by Ron Luce, Tony Marchese, and Tyler Jones. Today we have a very special guest. Former Blackhawk James Wisniewski took some time to talk to the crew today. Um, along with the Blackhawks, Wisniewski played for the Anaheim Ducks, New York Islanders, Montreal Canadiens, Columbus Blue Jackets, and Carolina Hurricanes. So let's not waste any time and get right to it. We are now joined by former Blackhawk James Wisniewski. Uh, James, thanks for taking the time to join us. Uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Thank you, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks again for joining us, Wiz. Absolutely. Um, well, I, I maybe I'll, I'll ask the first question. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit before we jumped on tonight. Um, so you played for, you know, for Coach Q for, for about 30 games. Uh, it was the last half season you were with the Hawks before being traded. Uh, what was it like playing under Joel? And I mean, obviously, the biggest news in hockey over the last two weeks has been, you know, Coach Q being fired. So what was your take on him um, being canned? You know, we went through uh, quite a bit quite a bit of coaches when you know we we're in Chicago obviously we we're kind of the bottom years until honestly it was like kind of started with you know the the draft I was in with you know them getting Duncan Keith in the second round he drafted uh you know Babchuk but you know he ended up getting traded actually for Danny Richmond um I went in the fifth round and I think uh Buff might have been the next year, but that's like when Seabrook came the following year. Buff got in like the late, I think it was like eighth or ninth rounder. Might have been Colin Frazier. That would have been the second rounder that year. Um, I think Adam Burrish was my year. And then, then all of a sudden, then you get the Taze and Kane. And all of a sudden, you know, like that just shows you how important the draft is, is the way it turns around. But anyway, so, you know, we had like uh, um, Trent Yanni. Trent Yanni is a, I had him in Anaheim and as a minor, but I love Trent. Then we had Denny Sabar. He, he was, you know, amazing, amazing human being, assistant coach. He came in and, went, you know, just was kind of a whirlwind with, you know, some of the uh, owner battle. And just the organization was kind of in a little bit of shambles during that time. And then when uh, Q came in, I was coming in for my, my last, my, well, my third um, ACL surgery on my right knee. So he was kind of a breath of fresh air. He's a big time players coach. Um, as long as you play hard, play the right way, you get rewarded. And, you know, days off. He loves to have fun. Um, and you know, when you're a players coach, and you know, you, you get a lot of respect from the guys, and because we really want to play for you, we're not getting treated like children. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, yeah, that that seems like that was pretty uh, widely recognized amongst some of the guys that you know you played with. Uh, as well that are still there um were you surprised at all that that he was fired or um did you think it was you know just natural that you know the time was coming honestly i think in the hockey world it's almost inevitable that you're not going to stay with the same team forever i mean it's just the way it is scotty bowman leaves goes detroit you know i mean you have 
Um, you know, you just have a, unless you're like a Bill Belichick, but that's in like that's in football. You know, those guys just it, you just kind of wear out your time. You know, it's just it, I don't know what it is, but you know, you just kind of get in a rut. You know, it's monotonous, and you just you guys just need a little you know change of scenery. Um, you can't trade every player. You know, then you're gonna be looking like an idiot. So of course, so first person to go is usually the coach. You know, they're gonna. You know, because GM wants to keep his job, right? I don't care it's how many Stanley Cups you want. It's what have you done for me lately? Mm. So then the GM's job is to, you know, hopefully that he keeps his job and keeps that team winning. So the easiest thing is is to, you know, start with a, a new fresh face behind the bench. Hey, Wiz, this is Tony. Uh, my next question I got for you here is what are some of the things that people don't realize about the role of a head coach that he plays in the locker room? And uh, kind of a two-parter here. How important is it for the team to buy into the coach's methods and strategies? Uh, kind of want your insight into what it's going to be like for the Blackhawks uh, with that new face in there in the locker room and Jeremy Carlton. What are some of the things that they're going through now? There's going to be – well, the thing is, obviously, that with, with those, those studs there, you're, they're always going to be their studs, right? But the good thing is for, you know, when you're a fourth liner or – you know, third liner and a new fresh face comes in, you kind of get a clean slate. You know, if you've been there for three years, four years, and your coach just looks at you, you're not getting any power play time, zero penalty kill time, you know, last minute of the game type deal, last minute of the period, and you're just like, you know where you stand. You're just kind of slated in like in, in Sharpie. You're not going anywhere. When a new guy comes in, you know, he's kind of just looking around as who's going to battle for me right now. You kind of might get that extra chance if a guy's not having a good game, you know, in the second line right wing. He gets bumped down to the third. You get bumped up to the second. And that's, that's how uh, careers are changed. Mm. Can, you, can you handle that pressure? Can you, you know, um, you know grasp it when, it, when it gets held, when it gets handed to you? Because, you know, you might not ever get that chance. So you, if you take it, you know, then you – then also now you're second liner, and that guy's – that guy's behind you. So that's the one thing that, you know, get a new face in there. The other thing is, is that there's going to be a little bit of, you know, pull because obviously, you know, with the uh, Taves and Kane and, you know, Seeds and Donk and all these guys that they're used to a certain kind of style. You know, they're used to be able to maybe at, in practice, like I don't feel like practicing today. You know what I mean? Just because they have that respect from their coach, they don't have to because he knows what he's going to get. This coach might be like, uh, that's not that's not working here. We're we're doing this, so that you know that's the other negative things that could that could come about with, you know, I'm not saying it's all negative because it might make them a little bit of light of fire, but at the same time it's just kind of there's going to be that awkward that's that that honeymoon phase where everything's great because you know like I need to that's why you always see teams start winning when they change their coach because everybody wants to play hard because they they feel like they have a fresh chance. But at the same time, there's that awkward phase because you don't really know what to do. There's that, you know, that first, second date kind of awkward conversation type deal. Yeah, definitely, you know, changing dynamics in there. Um, it, it's good to get a perspective from someone that's been in that situation. Uh, so, Wiz, we were wondering, what's the most memorable intermission uh, pep talk that you've ever heard from a coach? Most, hmm, <laughs> it's a good question. 
I, I mean, there's a couple funny ones that. Uh, oh, bring it, <laughs> bring it on, <laughs> yeah. bring it on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, like not not funny ones, but when I was in Columbus, you know, like the first year I was there, you know, losing obviously, and um, you know, Scott Arneal came in and was like, "Are we, are we allowed to swear on this thing?" Oh yeah. Yeah, yep. he was like, "Fuck you guys." You're not fucking. You're not fucking playing for me. I'm not going anywhere. You guys, fuck you. You guys will get traded. I think like two days later, you got fired. (laughs) 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 And I love Scott O'Neill. He was great, but we're all sitting there like, "No, man, you're probably gonna get fired first before they (laughs) trade every single one of us." (laughs) But I mean, that's kind of the other thing is that what you have to be careful of is where like Babcock somehow gets away with is that guys still win for him and play hard for him because from what I've heard, nobody really likes him, you know, but he demands your respect and he, and he gets it because that's the other side of it. Nobody likes you. Everybody shuts down on you. You start losing, you're going to get fired. You know, I don't care how many years you have in your deal. They they don't care. You know, the owners end up, they want to win. So they'll just get rid of you. So that's the other, the, the contradicting of, you know, being that asshole is whether or not you're either going to get the respect or you're just going to push players away. How hard is it, do you think, to get that respect like in the Blackhawks situation where Colleton's 33 years old, younger than some of the guys on the ice? Do you think it's going to be harder for him to kind of make that bond with them? It all depends. It depends how his, um, his first impression is. Uh, I don't think that's that far-fetched because obviously, you know, it's, if he's coming in with a high-powered offense, he wants you to go, go, go. I mean, you're just kind of – they've been there. They they know what, what's going on. I mean, well, there's a what, couple guys older than him, Dunk. Right, right. Um, Seabs, Seabs too, yeah. Seabs, Seabs, 33, Croft, 33. They're 85 birth dates. Dunk's in 83, so he's 35. Yeah, Kunitz uh, is almost 40. Oh, yeah, Kunitz. But, yeah, he's probably leaning on Kunitz. I bet you he's, like, one of the first guys. And, well, even the other guy, I mean, they have, you know, Duncan, all those guys. They've won a bunch of cuffs. So, I mean, they just – they have one of the – if he's if he's smart, in my opinion, what he's going to do, he's just going to have a leadership group, which most teams do. Hmm. And then you're going to have your top five guys, and he's just going to work with them. Be like, what is it going to take to get everybody working? And then just kind of pick and feed and, and just kind of – roll with the punches until he gets his feet wet and then he can kind of venture on do a little bit of you know what else because a lot of those guys they're winners i mean they, they know what it takes so they're, they're just gonna work together with them like i said sometimes it just needs a new you know a new a new face because he, maybe q was unbelievable for you know uh, eight years or however long he was there for and then nine years and then all of a sudden there's just guys when you start when you start feeling the pressure, things change. You might change completely, and then start snapping on guys, and guys just start you know shutting down a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I think too the Blackhawks have been winning for so long. That's why it was incredible to see what Detroit actually did when they made the playoffs for was it like thirty years or whatever it was, or no, sorry, like twenty three years or whatever it was, um, because of how little rest you get. Um, these guys go deep in the playoffs every year. You know, they win the Stanley Cup, you get three months max of off time. There's some guys that are getting five and a half months that didn't even make the playoffs. 
So you got, you know, and then going that deep in the in the playoffs and in the grind that it takes, and then they have to give their, you know, their body rest for a month, month and a half, and all of a sudden it's end of July, you know, and then training camp starts in seven weeks. And that, people always forget that. Man, why do these guys miss the playoffs? What's wrong with them? Well, you know, we won three Stanley Cups in five years or six years or whatever it was. I mean, give us a break a little bit. You know, we might be a little tired, a little banged up, and and that's you know just part of sports, right? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, Johnny, you got another piggyback question off of that? Oh, no, I was just going to add on just what he said is that, you know, it kind of almost adds a not minutes wise, but, you know, with all the weight that's been on your legs all year, almost like feels like another full season on top of, you know, on top of it. For sure it does. You're talking about like the playoff ones that they they Oh, yeah. Those are hard minutes. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's no joke about it's a it's a whole different season. You know, everybody hits the travel like the games every other every other day. The intensity is multiplied by three. You know, you see guys that haven't thrown a check in two years and made the playoffs and they're hitting everything in sight. You know, block mm-hmm. shots, just the grind that you have to put on your body. I mean, it's just. That's the that's the inside of sports that people just don't see. They're like, oh, you get to play a sport, man. It hurts. It's tiring. You know, it's it's a grind. It's granted, it's fun. Winning's fun, but winning hurts as well. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, well, I mean, you know, as you mentioned a little earlier, was you know, you, you played in Columbus, uh, you played in Anaheim, uh, New York for the Islanders. Uh, the Canadians um, of all the teams that you played for, who was your favorite franchise to play for besides Chicago? Um, Cause I'm assuming you enjoyed your time in Chicago, but um, yeah, you know, who, who, who was your favorite franchise to play for outside of Chicago? I mean, it's pretty kind of magical to play for Montreal. It's hard to, you know, not say that. I mean, it's kind of, if you play baseball and get to play for the Yankees, you know, it's just one of those things where it's just uh, the pinnacle of, of your sport. It's the pinnacle of all sports. I mean, they have the most championships out of any franchise out there, um, out of all sports. So it's just, it's it's pretty cool to be able to put the Habs jersey on and be able to go in the Bell Center. And obviously I didn't get to get in the, in the old one, but uh, the new one, I mean, it's just jam-packed every night, die hard. I mean, you can't go anywhere without getting recognized. It's just it was a it was a pretty neat experience, especially coming off that the year that I had going to my free agent year with a you know pretty solid year. So um, and and playing well for that organization was um, it was pretty special. Yeah, I, I can I can only imagine what it's like to st- step into the Bell Center and uh, like you said, you know, be recognized on the streets and and everything like that. Um, Another little uh, question on favorites. Um, you, who's your favorite teammate that w- is still on the Hawks or was ever with the Hawks? Um, I know you played with you know with Johnny and with Kaner. I remember the exchange you had with Kaner when you so graciously hosted my brother, my dad, and I, and that was still one of the funniest things I've ever witnessed. Um, you know what were what were who were some of your favorite guys you know ever or the, even that are still with the team? Do you tell about this exchange, Ron and and James? <laughs> Sure. So I'll go ahead, go ahead, Ron. Yeah, I was gonna say, feel free to cut me if I'm if I'm mistaken. So, um, 
you know, for our listeners, uh, Wiz is, is very, very big about supporting the troops and, and you were very involved with the USO for a while. And, um, so Halloween, actually it was 2008. Um, my older brother was on, uh, leave from Iraq. Uh, he was serving overseas. So Wiz was, was gracious enough to get us tickets on the glass and then host us in the locker room. My dad, my brother and I, uh, after the game. And so we, we walk in and I, I think you were hurt at the time Wiz. so, you know, you were, yeah. you got us pretty quickly and we go into the, the locker room and, um, you know, for those that don't know, there's the locker room that you see with the Indian head and then there's the players lounge. And so in the locker room where the press can go, which is where the Indian head is, uh, there was one player left in there when we, we walked through the doors and it was Kaner and, and Kaner starts walking back and kind of cracks like a, a, a shithead smile and looks at Wiz and he goes, fuck you, Wisniewski. <laughs> and I, quote me, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, Wiz, Wiz goes, shut up, Kane, you little pussy. <laughs> and this is this is the first thing said when we walk in and i'm just i'm losing it i'm like this is incredible there's like there's still like reporters like right behind us and it was oh, just yeah. it was awesome that's a normal conversation that was actually more of like us just saying hi <laughs> <laughs> that's like just like a, a in locker room type exchange of hello good to see you <laughs> that's pretty much what that so, was. So, so that that leads me to another one. Who was who was the biggest jackass on the team in the locker room? Uh, guys would probably say I was. I fucked with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was one. That was one thing that you know. The funny thing is that that was the hardest thing about getting traded from Chicago. Is kind of well, what happened was when Q came in. I was coming off, like I said, my third ACL surgery. I kind of was, you know, maybe second power play unit once in a while, or like a first penalty kill. They'd want me to fight. But then people forget that, you know, I had a CHL defense in the year. I, you know, I was, I was an offensive defenseman, you know, that could do all the other stuff, but just never got a chance. So when Q came in and, you know, I started playing, coming off, like I said, my third ACL reconstruction surgery when I was 24 years old on my right, on the same knee. And, you know, the guy was kind of like, and I don't know if you remember, like the Jordan Tutu fight, that's kind of when I slightly tore it. And then working out, I fully tore it. And that was the third time. And I was like, you know what, fuck that. I'm not, like, I'm trying not to fight this year. Like, I I'm I want to stay healthy, get a contract. You know what I mean? To kind of keep my career going. Wiz, did you ever have a trade, you know, almost materialize or, or fall through, something like that? Chicago wanted me, and they're going to trade Barker. They wanted me and a second rounder for Cam Barker or something like that. And um, Bob Murray said they were asking for too much, too much for the draft pick. So I was, I guess, like he told me that, you know, after the season because he pretty much straight up told me you're going into your unrestricted free agent year. Um, Scott, me and my retires were trading you. And I'm like, okay. He's like, yeah, he, he loves playing with you, so you'll be his defense partner. If he comes back, we'll sign you. But if not, we're trading you. Sure enough, he retires, and they traded me. <laughs> <laughs> it was like four days after I get home from my honeymoon, I got traded. Across <laughs> country, too. So it was a little inside stories that are kind of funny that you know people don't hear about. But, yeah, I was pretty close to coming back to Chicago. Oh, that would have been that's, fantastic that's a, to have you back. Yeah, that's a 
That's another good uh, follow-up question here. James, What what's that like going through getting traded? Um, you know, uh, uh, other other people outside of sports don't get traded between jobs. What, as a professional athlete, what's it like when you get that phone call? How, do, um, how does it all go down? Uh, I think that's something that, you know, would be valuable for the listeners to hear, what, what that process is actually like. Yeah, no problem. I'm going to go back to the, because I didn't really answer the first question. So what I was going to say is that, what we liked, what I loved about Chicago is that all of us were so close. I mean, like, Kaner is young, Kays are young, you know, Sharpie's unbelievable, Dunk's unbelievable, Steve's is unbelievable, Troy Brower, Colin Frazier, Adam Burge, Dustin Bufflin. I mean, you name it. I mean, we just had one of those groups where no matter what, there was never like a bunch of clicks going out to dinner. We'd go out like 12 deep. You know, we didn't care. We just all love hanging out with each other. So that was probably the hardest thing because then there was like a young group and then I could trade to Anaheim and it was like more like older group. You know, I go from like pretty much middle of the road, almost like not older, but like 24, 25, like you're kind of established to like the third youngest guy on the team, you know, because they just have all older guys. Um, but it's pretty incredible to be able to play with, you know, three Hall of Famers. Um, so then the traded thing is um, – it's sometimes a compliment, sometimes like a curse. You know, um, I got, I was on four teams in one calendar year, but I was going into my unrestricted free agent year. And I almost took it as a compliment because everybody knew I wanted to get paid a lot more money. And everybody's like, oh, we'll borrow him for a little bit of a year because then he's going to go to unrestricted free agency, which pretty much was what was going to happen. So they're going from Anaheim to Long Island. And then the Islanders, you know, we lost – Akposo and Mark Strait. So then we are the worst team in the league. And then Montreal lost Josh Rogers and Andre Markov with two ACL surgeries. So then they traded me to rent me. And I had my 51-point season. And then they told me they were signing those two guys. So then I was like, all right, well, it looks like I'm going to you know, go down the for agency. But then they traded my rights to Columbus, and I signed the night before for agency, my six-year deal here. So speaking of that, Wiz, I mean, um, so you really never kind of hit unrestricted free agency. I mean, you no. you just the rights were traded and you couldn't say no to Columbus, huh? You know, I'm the kind of guy, I, this could be a, a blessing and a curse. Um, I want to be part of the solution. I wanted to be the guy that kind of came in and helped resurrect the franchise. I mean, I could have went to free agency and signed with, you know, like a Boston or a Detroit, you know, or, you get what I'm saying, like any other powerhouse team that was, you know, had, you know, a New York Rangers or back to kind of go there. Or go back to Chicago. They probably didn't have any cap, cap room. But, yeah, um, I think the Rangers were, like, kind of high on that. Um, so it was just kind of one of those things where I'm like, you know, I just – felt like I was kept getting underrated my whole career, so I wanted to go somewhere and like help them out. And sure enough, I get that silly suspension for four exhibition games and eight regular season games, and that really just put a damper on the start of my career in in Columbus. So uh, earlier on, you were kind of talking about how you wanted to be, you know, the kind of the solution to the problems that they're bringing you in for. If you look at the Blackhawks power play right now, and I know we were talking earlier about how you, yeah, that's kind of a place that where you thrived. You're looking at their power play right now. What would you fix from their standpoint? Um, well, 
I mean, a lot of times, I mean, they have so many good players. I mean, they need a they need a right-handed shot on that off wing. Um, I think that's did Panarin play there? Yeah, or did yeah. he play in the middle? They played the, played over there, didn't? Yeah, the left side, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, and then you also had Sharp there forever. Um, and just think about that. So that what what happens is that it, it takes pressure off of Kane to be able to move and and Taze and Kane to be able to play that catch down low and, and create opportunities when you don't have a a threat and, and no offense over there. But I mean, Patrick Sharp or Panarin's probably more of a threat than anybody that they have that's going to be playing over there. Mm. Um, it, it kind of it, it what it does is starts leaning the guys back closer to to Kane and Taze and starts making it more of a it's actually a four on three for the penalty killers because you have the up top guy with Dunker Siebes and then your off offsuit guy is not even in the picture so that makes it really a four on, a three on four right. to say mm-hmm. so if you have that offside guy where he's a threat for a one time shot it spreads that weak side forward back and then opens up that pop middle play. And then you need a good right-handed shot that's can can be able to score with a with a quick pass from Taze from the goal line to that guy right in the hash marks that can get that shot off like kind of like Oshie does in the in Washington. Yeah, that's Oshie's office right there, man. He's always in that spot. Oh yeah, because well, what happens is because you have Ovechkin on the other side. Right. So if you over overplay Oshie, then you you're leaving Ovechkin for a one timer. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much pick your poison. Like, where yeah. do you want to score? Do you want an Ovechkin or Oshie? Right. You know, and most of the time you pick Oshi because it's not as much as a movement for the goalie to slide all the way across and lose his lose his angle. He only has, only has to go from the post to the to you know a third of the crease to try to stop that. So, uh, so what you're really trying to say here, Wiz, is that uh, you're coming out of retirement to be a coach now, replacing Barry Smith <laughs> to run the Hawks power play. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, sure. I mean, if they need it, yeah, I'm I'm up for it. <laughs> Hope you're listening, Stan. Stan <laughs> yeah, tell, tell, yes, tell Stan to give me a call. He's got my number, I'm sure. Yeah, and they're and they're big about bringing alumni back or just bringing back as a yeah. coach. And yeah, there you go. I think Adrian Adrian O'Coin's I think back there, coach, or, you know, doing some development stuff in Chicago. So yeah, bring me back. I'm right here. There you go. All I'm doing is I'm, I'm trying to sell private jets. You know, I'm, I'm in the aviation brokering now so i can you know have some free time to, to do some coaching i love it we're solving problems <laughs> over here like there the blackhawks yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sure enough watch you know they'll go they'll go like three for four tomorrow or whatever and right that's because they listen yeah, that's because they yeah. listen. Yeah. They'll listen and actually feed Debrinket over there. You know, I hope so. <laughs> We've been right calling for that for weeks too to put him yeah. over there. They'll be like, they'll be fine. I wouldn't be worried about it. Bowman would probably give you a no trade clause. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> that's perfect. I can come out of retirement. You just give me like a month to get in shape. No, sure. no, three weeks. I was gonna say, Wiz. I mean. You, uh, yeah, you got the. You were playing that off that off uh, offside on the power play for the Wolves. Right, exactly. That's what I you had were. Four power play goals. Hell yeah, you did. I was I the think... second unit, so I barely got any time. All right, Stan, sign Wiz back. I need to buy another <laughs> Hawks Wiz jersey. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, this kind of plays in. This is a two-parter too, but like, 
what was the Olympic experience like when you were playing for Team USA? And not only that, but also, I know you were talking about earlier, you were traded around a lot, but what's kind of like the locker room consensus when there's just the, you're surrounded by the best players in America and that's your locker room? You know, that was, you know, that was obviously a, a lifetime goal. And it was, um, it was kind of surreal because I was actually going to retire last year. I just didn't feel like playing in Europe and leaving the family and stuff like that. And, you know, then I get a call from Jimmy Johansson, the late Jimmy Johansson, which I was one of my favorite human beings in, in the world, probably my favorite in hockey and, and you know, the management wise. And, um, he was just like, I think you should go play and, and stay in shape for this Olympic thing. I'm like, well, they for sure not bringing the NHL guys. He's like, absolutely. They're not. He's like, I can tell you with certainty. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll go do it. And, you know, I went to Germany and, you know, I've actually had a blast with Evan McGrath and, and his wife, Madison, which is uh, Doug Gilmore's daughter. And, you know, it just, it actually kind of brought hockey to be fun for me again. It's just frustrating with just the injuries and just the non-opportunities that you get when you kind of go through that and you know what you can do and maybe not get a chance and, you know, all that stuff. And then to be able to, you know, fulfill a goal like that, to go, you know, to be able to get announced, um, it was, it was something pretty special. And I got to bring my parents, you know, my wife, my two daughters, I actually got to say happy birthday to my daughter, um, after, I think we played Slovakia the first time, February 16th, my daughter's birthday. And after we won, I got to go over and say happy birthday to her. So that was something very special. James, you bring up a good point that I think a lot of people don't talk about. And I want to ask you this. Uh, what's it? What's it like having a family and, and young kids and, and playing in the NHL? What's What kind of toll does that take? On, on some of these guys who are out there and um, you know, what, what's that experience like when you're constantly on the road and, and, and playing sports and trying to balance, you know, having a family at the same time? You know, it all depends on the, on the age, what they're at, you know, when I was in the NHL, they weren't, they were three and one and a half, four, two ish. Um, but then when you go overseas, like how I did, I, you know, I went by myself. So that was the biggest thing. I mean, playing the NHL is not, it's, I, you know, playing in, in Europe, NHL, you know, cinch. Stay at Ritz-Carlton's four seasons, fly private. Eat at the best restaurants. You know what I mean? It's just, it's nothing. I mean, the longest flight you're going to have is three and a half hours probably, especially when you're in Chicago. Um, so, yeah, you, you might be gone for eight to, eight to ten days or something like that, 12 days max, and it feels like forever, but, I mean, it's – the travel and you know with the way you can FaceTime now, it's it's not too bad. It's when like you try to hang on if you want to go to Europe and and kind of do that sort of thing is is when it kind of takes a toll. Don't forget we do get the summers off. You train hard and but then you get you know all day off to to hang with the family and, and whatnot. I experienced something a, a lot different when I try to you know I don't want to say make a comeback, but you know, someone make a comeback when I went to Russia and for 10 weeks didn't see my family when I was in Germany, didn't get to see them. You know, that's when it got hard. That's when I'm like, why am I doing this? You know, it's not for the money, obviously. 
know, when you're doing that. So that's when it was a little difficult, but you know what? It's, you know, everything happens for a reason. You know, I did it and now I got to play for my country. So it was, it was, it was special. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I know I enjoyed watching you play on, on TV for team USA. And, uh, I mean, you guys, you know, we're, we're in every game and, and, and had a good run. Um, just to pivot a little bit, I, I got another good question. Kind of another thing we we talked about a little bit before we got on um, on the air. Who who are some of the current and former guys in the NHL? Any teammates that you've had, or maybe they even weren't teammates, but just friends that you're you're still kind of in touch with. And of those guys, you got any good uh, shareable stories that you can you can uh, give us? <laughs> huh. That's a great question. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I still talk to Jim Vandermeer pretty regularly. Um, he's over and um, playing in the UK, getting his master's degree. Um, I think he's in Belfast, actually. Um, I don't know. You guys put me on the spot. You should have told me this, and I could have, like, you know, it gave me a little bit of a, a heads up <laughs> to, like, try to think of some stories. Well, you said wit, these- right? Yeah, Ryan Whit- Ryan Whitney. I, you know, he was my uh, defense partner and roommate for, you know, over a year. Um, <laughs> yeah, Whit is scumbag. He's a, yeah, that's his nickname, scumbag. <laughs> that's his that's his nickname. Now he's married with a kid. It's actually kind of funny because when you're you know when you're that age, I mean, I was twenty five ish. He was twenty six. They were like, there's, there's no way. <laughs> now he's a married man, father, so it's kind of funny. Adam Burst, I think, is still rocking single. I talk to Adam every once in a while. He's he's working for the Hawks now, isn't he? Doing like TV and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's he's providing hot takes on uh, Henrik Lundqvist. Oh yeah, on the regular. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> hey, said yeah. he said All he right. was. He said it was oh like what was he the most overrated goalie of the past yeah. whatever he said I if he was how many seasons it was but it, it was it was the night that the Hawks were playing the Rangers probably about two and a half weeks ago and it yeah. it, was, it kind of shocked we, everyone. We did a whole segment on do we think Adam Burrish would be able to beat Lundqvist in a in a shootout and I think the resounding answer was no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but Adam can always say he's got more Stanley Cup rings than he does. Mm. Yep, that's true. Um, that's that's I like that Adam. We'd be a little ballsy there, buddy. That's my yeah, you, know, <laughs> you know what he he he's always I I think he's kind of the guy that's always kind of been meant for TV in that regard, where he'll say something to grab your attention, whether you agree with it yeah. or not. You're still tuning in to hear it, right? To be honest, well, he might not even believe it. That's you know, if I know yeah. her, he might not even believe it. He might be like, you know what? I might, I would try to piss people off right now. This is a great, <laughs> I'm going to say this. This is going to be perfect. Well, it was about three days after that that they brought Patrick Sharp onto that that anchor crew too. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But <laughs> oh, to like to replace him or to oh add? no oh yeah. no the, it was uh, it's now who is it Pat Boyle. Um, Jamal Mayers, Jamal Mayers, Sharpie, and Burrish. Dude, they're trying yep. to get some more hair on that crew, man. Jamal Mayers. Yeah. Is... <laughs> oh man, that's a good little crew right there. How is Sharpie on on air? That's gonna be that'd be kind of funny. He's pretty good. He just kind of he usually usually just sit back and 
used to laugh at me in verse. That's about it. <laughs> well, well, we'll have to get you to uh, Chicago so you can watch a couple of the games and 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 text Burr and give him some shit. I will. I'll have to do that. Maybe they'll they'll put me on as like a guest appearance if I go to if I go to Chicago and, and go to a game. There you go. That'd be great. That'd be perfect. So uh, you mentioned uh, that that they wanted you to fight um, back when you were when you were with the Hawks. Um, who were you most afraid of fighting in the NHL? Was there one guy that you just did not want to go up against? Um, who was that? And then. Uh, what was what was your most memorable fight that you were involved in? Oh, I don't. You know what? There's there wasn't really anybody that you're like. I mean, back then, I mean, they were like legit heavyweights. You know what I mean? Like that guy can barely skate, but damn, he's tough. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now there's very, you know, like there's not really anybody out there like that anymore. You know, like a Brian McGratton, you know what I mean? Like guys like that, you're just like, holy Christ. Um, so, I mean, like Derek Bugard, you know, like think about if those guys were in the league right now, they would just kill everybody that they fought. Yeah. Um, um, the most memorable fight? I don't know if I really have one. I mean, probably where I got a little bit a name for myself is when I fought Tutu. And that's why that's why I said I like hurt my knee that way. Um, other than that, like most of them all just blend in. You kind of all just black out, fight to not die, and that's pretty much it. Fight scared. If I had to tell anybody how do you how do you fight, fight scared. You know, you fight confidence when you usually lose. <laughs> you fight right. a little overconfident, and that one punch all of a sudden is waking up from the ice you never know that way yeah with i I know i know that one sucked because you know you said you hurt your knee on the fight with tutu but i was watching it um before we jumped on air here and i just thought it was cool because you know it was at the very end of the game so then after after you guys go at it and you're, you know, at first you're skating off, but then you come down by the half boards there. But then they sound the horn like six or seven more times, and it was like, yeah. you, know, you guys, you guys just won. So that was that was at least cool, like theatrically about it. And that was, you know, the Hawks had won four in a row at that point. So that, that was just yeah, a cool. Think, yeah. That was the that was the year that we, uh, I think we we missed the playoffs for like three points. It was like. Um, you know, I think because we, you know, we went to Detroit and it didn't matter if we would have won, we would have missed the playoffs at one point. We just barely missed. So that was like, that was kind of the turning point of like when we the Hawks started making like a name for themselves. Because mm-hmm. um, the following year, I think they lost to Detroit in the conference finals. That's when I was in Anaheim and we lost to Detroit in the second round game seven. So it would have been weird because if we would have won and then we would have played the Hawks in the in the conference finals. So that would have been something else. Yeah. Wiz, it's always martial arts and combat sports have been a huge part of my life for, for ever since I can remember. So it's always really interested me on either a, like how, how do hockey players get ready? You know, if, if that was your role to be the fighter on the ice, the enforcer, how would you, would you train to do that? Would you take boxing classes, MMA classes, stuff like that? Or were you just going out there and throwing? I took boxing class. We had um, a guy named Kirky that 
helped us in, in Plymouth Whalers, and then we'd go to um, Cronk Gym in Detroit. Mm. Um, so that's what helps. I mean, I always say like most of the time it's kind of learning how to how to punch, how to throw a punch. Right. And because a lot of people, if you look, you know, the big guys, they throw from way, way back. Mm-hmm. Usually they're moving their head so they don't get hit. And, I mean, that's really not the proper way. If you always see a guy that just throws right from his chin, those guys usually do a lot of damage and can throw both hands. Right. You can throw both hands. I mean, you surprise so many people because all they do is just think of just a, you know, pure righty. Mm-hmm. So I was always, like, fought left-handed, you know, growing up because, I mean, that's just the way to, to catch people off. So I was always – I found out from a young age that I could take a punch, and that's probably – 80% of fighting, really. Yeah, that's equally you know, as important. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, if you, yeah, you can throw punches, but if you just get touched, then you're all wobbly. I mean, right. what, what good does that do you? Yeah, definitely. I'm a lefty as well when I fight, so it's, yeah, so you, it throws everybody so you can off. See how much you, people don't know what to do. Yeah, punches. they really don't. They do. You know, you always say, just watch that front foot. Mm-hmm. If you're a lefty, you just get, get on the outside of his lead foot and now you have the inner inner lane he's got the outer lane now they're in trouble right yeah that's you such, know, it's so. such a different like mechanics of fighting as like it, it just changes so much when there's a jersey to pull on and there's ice beneath well, you and that, blades to you know, balance the other thing is, there's some guys that you'd be like dude that guy is so tough on the ice but you're like i will beat the piss out of him off the ice you know because <laughs> <laughs> some guys you know they're like he might be like 6'2", but they got like a 6'7 wingspan, just mm. long-ass arms, and you can't touch them because if he gets in the middle of your jersey, you're like, I'm screwed. Chara. But if you have yeah. your shirt off and you can't do that, you know what I mean? They right. get inside, and also he would have no idea what to do, right? It's all a different type of fighting. You know, there's hockey fighting is a certain type of skill. Yeah, it's an art in of, it's, of even, itself, yeah. Exactly. You might not even be that tough, but you just, you just know how to grab, you know how to protect it. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to be that big, and all of a sudden you turn out to be, man, that guy's just a really good fighter. All right, Ty Domi, man. But, you know, well, I mean, that guy, but he had center block at too. Right, you know, <laughs> he like, did. He like Squidward's house from SpongeBob. Want, matter, you know, if you ever met that guy, literally his head looks weird. It's like <laughs> probably eight and a half fitted hat. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, holy shit. You're like, I wouldn't even want to punch that head. It hurt. Dude, it runs in the family, though, man. Just see if it's gravity And then just spun guys around and then just pounded on them. They all got power in that family. I mean, that guy, it was was, was impressive. People don't realize, I mean, he's got, what, 5'8? Yeah. He's like guys 6'4, 6'5, and just absolutely beat the piss out of them. (laughs) It was incredible. Yeah, James, so, what's what's one thing about um, hockey fights that people don't realize? Is there anything? I, I've watched plenty of YouTube videos out there where some of these guys, you know, there's. I, I feel like there's two types of hockey fights. There's two guys that are going in with mutual respect, and then there's other guys that just absolutely hate the piss out of each other. Is that kind correct. of the, the kind of the sense of those? Yeah, and you you'll know that way if, if they go down to the ice and they keep throwing. That's when you know. That's it. Other than that, if, if they stop, that was just a mutual respect type thing. I mean, sometimes you just go out there to try to change the momentum of the game. Like you're down to nothing, 10 minutes in the first period, and then you try to start a fight to hopefully, like, you know, you show up and 
maybe even just tie the fight or win the fight, then your your team's like, all right, let's go. Let's like you know that that got us going a little bit. And it's in momentum. They call it old mo. Mo is a weird thing. When you get that that mo, it's you see like that ice just starts tilting. You're skating downhill. They're skating uphill the whole time. It's it's strange, but it's it's a it's a fact. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, very, anytime you're watching a fight, if they if they're if they keep punching when they go to the ice, that that was an angry fight. If not, it was just more of like, hey, good job, man. Like, way to go. Yeah. So I've been watching some of these games uh, on like the NBC Sports Wednesday night hockey. And sometimes they'll have some hot mics down there when guys are getting chippy in between the benches. And so the other night, I think it was Subban and someone from Colorado going at it. Zadarov. And uh, yeah, but so I just want to know what's the worst exchange that you've heard, whether it's between uh, two players on the ice or even to like a ref? Because some guys were, you know, calling the ref a, you know, dumbass and this and that. But I, I just want to know from being on ice level, what, what's some of the worst stuff that you've heard? If it gets too bad, we'll we'll bleep stuff out. But we're we're, we're pretty good at throwing the explicit tag on something here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean it. It gets it could get pretty bad. I mean, I I almost feel like the kids nowadays are like, oh man, you suck at Fortnite. I mean, I think that would be like their <laughs> term. I mean, I, I think the game is so soft now. I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't even know how they would even chirp. Like, oh, my stick handling's better than yours, or something. Like, there's nobody. Even plays hard or tough anymore. Like, it's hard for me to watch it, I'll be honest, guys. Like To see eight, six games, eight, five, seven, four, all every night, it's like there's just no pride. But, you know, that's just, I guess, an older guy. I guess I'm an older guy now, but I mean, it's almost reverting back to like the 80s when, you know, defensemen had 120 points and guys had 90 goals. I guess that's what they're trying. That's what they're, they're fixing the rules for. Um, but honestly, I don't, I can't even tell. I mean, anything, whatever you think of, it's been said. I've yeah. not heard it. You know, the only thing that doesn't get said is they don't talk about children. Yeah. I don't, I've never heard anybody bring up some of these kids. If so, it's, you're probably gonna get literally slashed in the face. Yeah. Other than that, wives, moms, girlfriends, they're all, it, you're all, it's all fair game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Enough said there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything's fair game except kids. That's all. That's that's probably what I'd have to say. All right. So I'll 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 piggyback off of that one. Uh, can you share your funniest story of Patrick Kane that you can without making him look bad, if that's humanly possible? That's that's, that's impossible. Humanly impossible. (laughs) Man, it was so long ago too. I forget. You know, you just have to like if he if he brought something up and then it might trigger a a memory. You know, like I'm not that good at being put on the spot for long time memory. Don't forget, guys, you get concussions and all that stuff. You lose your you lose your mind a little bit. (laughs) Well, I mean, we have we've had some fun. I was gonna say you and Kaner probably hung out quite a bit when when he first got there, and you would probably you know you were you know in your twenty four twenty five age season, right? No, he was he was eighteen. It was probably my I was probably twenty two, 
What's he in '88? Yeah, I'm only four years older than him. What's he? Thirty years old now? Yeah, I think he. I think he it's just turned birthday. thirty. Yeah. Yeah, he's an '88 birthday. So yeah, he. Uh, you know, when he was 18, started. We were 22, and I was actually going to say that I somewhat feel a little responsible because me and Adam Burrish used to like bring him to the bars with us. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know, I don't oh, know if we started the debacle of stuff, but <laughs> I mean, so that's, I almost feel a little bad about that. You're, not probably, really, not the, you're probably not the first person that gave Patrick Kane an alcoholic beverage, though. No, no, but you, you was 18 and you're supposed to be 21, so I'm not going to tell you what bars so they don't get in trouble, but yeah, he might have been with us a couple times in bars at 18 years old. May or may not have. Nobody can confirm. May, may or not. I don't. I don't remember. But I, a guy that looked just like him that we call Patrick. Um, <laughs> he, <was with> us. <laughs> he could just be an imaginary friend. Right, but I wasn't <laughs> serving him, so I can't get in trouble. Right. That's awesome. That's All right. Cool. Uh, Hey Ron, do you want to uh, do you want to ask that last question that we have uh, right here for for James, and we can we can let him get on with his night here. For sure, yeah. I mean, so was I. I mean, this is now what feels like the tenth time in the last ten years that the Hawks are going to be playing in an outdoor game. But uh, you got to be a part of the first uh, Winter Classic at Wrigley. What was that experience like? You know, playing in front of the fans at uh, the historic Wrigley Field. I'm glad you brought that up because I kind of sometimes forget. I mean, it was that was one of the coolest moments. Other than scoring a goal in the Olympics, um, maybe your first NHL game and goal, um, that was incredible. I mean, it, it kind of stinks. Like I said, like they didn't have the um, road to the Winter Classic at that time. Um, but I mean, if you look at the stat sheet, I think I led the whole both teams in uh in time on ice i think i played like 25 minutes that game mm-hmm. so i mean that was something that was really incredible really fun to be a part of the atmosphere it was a honestly you couldn't draw a perfect day you couldn't draw a more perfect day than that like it was cloudy 38 wasn't really windy so it wasn't that cold it wasn't like i said sunny where it's like you have to like in the third period switch ends because it's it's you know, unfair to one side. Um, I mean, it just Wrigley Field is as historic as a maybe other than MSG as a as a stadium. Um, it's just it was so cool because like I think it was was it the second one of all time. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Pittsburgh and Buffalo, right? Was the first mm-hmm. one. And then we had it. I mean, it's like, it just doesn't get much better than that. It was something that was I'm surprised they haven't done it again, to be honest. I think maybe because it doesn't hold as many people as they would like. Yeah, I mean, to your point though, I, I wouldn't be terribly shocked if uh, you know in a, in a couple of years they they bring another one back there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just especially after the winning the World Series and all that stuff. I mean, it was just that was another thing that was used to be a lot of fun going down like staying in Chicago and going to college games. Might have had a little fun when I used to do that. Not gonna lie. Were you uh, were you a bleachers guy? Um, we got some we got tickets from the so from the the organization from the Cubs, and so 
we got pretty good tickets. We were usually right like behind home plate. But I mean, we did end up going to a couple rooftop bars before and um, the bleachers at one point. That's awesome. Nice. Hey, Wiz, I know you said you brought up your uh, time on ice that game, but I have it up here now. You, you played 23-36. You were only second to Duncan Keith, but you led all skaters, uh, both Red Wings and Hawks, with four shots. So there you go. Okay, there you go. Thank you. All right, so, yeah, second. Dunk, dunk that. <laughs> Pass me, yeah. Yeah, superhuman so cool. Duncan Keith. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like I was sitting on a bench played like six minutes. So I know. Oh, you were only behind. He only played about twenty-five more seconds than you. So yeah, but it was it was it was awesome. I mean, that was just that was just, like I said, that was just something that was just so cool. And then, like I said, I got traded two months later. So yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Wiz, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, you know, I know my my lovely old man was able to get us in touch with you. So. Um, thanks again for joining us. Um, I'm, you know, maybe later this year or even next year, I'm sure we'd love to have you back on. It was an absolute Absolutely. ride of a time. Um, and yeah, with all that being said, thanks again. And, uh, we hope you have a great night. Yep. Thanks. Wiz. Thank thanks, you. Guys, you too. Thanks for having me. Take care. Big thank you to James Wisniewski for joining us. Uh, guys, that was a great interview. Some great insight uh, on locker room stuff there. Yeah, that was absolutely awesome. Uh, some of those stories that he shared with us, some of the insights coming from a former NHL player. I mean, you can't, you don't get much better than that. Yeah, not at all. I mean, especially, you know, he was, he was having fun with us, you know, and sharing some laughs. And, uh, yeah, I mean incredible incredible insight i i didn't think we were going to get that good insight it was it was a lot of fun yeah it's cool you know for you know he's been removed from the hawks for a while now you know it was 2009 was the last year calendar year that he played a game for the blackhawks but it's still you know a lot of those guys like he was talking about kane was super young when he was there tay's still young played with duncan seeds um so i mean it, it's it's kind of cool to hear about them then and then you know look at where they are now and like someone like Seeds and dunks are the veterans of the team so um it, it is far removed as he is it's still all relatable stuff that he talked about yeah and i was i was actually really impressed with that little that little nugget that he gave us that he almost came back here for the 2010 cup run run imagine imagine if he had come back and won the cup with the team we we could have had Wisniewski on this team probably maybe even for the 2013 run too at that rate um you know I mean that's it's very interesting to think about how many what ifs happen in in any given year in any sport um you know how many players could have ended up somewhere and and that's that just goes to show you uh how close things can come yeah, and to, and to piggyback off of that, Tony, you know, more of the what-ifs. I mean, you saw what kind of offensive defenseman he became in the league. I mean, he had a, a couple of 50-point seasons, a lot of, you know, mid to high 40-point seasons. So, um, gosh, that offense on the blue line during those cup runs would have been incredible. You know, and you probably, you know, let's let's go down the, the, the what-if train even more. And, you know, some of the trades that the Hawks had to make to get rid of some of these guys probably never would have even happened. Um, you know, having him, you know, through the, the 2010 
probably even into 2014, 2015. Imagine if you, you've got James Wisniewski out there on the ice in L.A. in, in 2014. You know, I mean, that's, you know, you want to play the ultimate what if. What if you have him out on D instead of some of those other guys and you, you might have the difference between three cups and instead of three cups in a row and instead of, you know, that off year in, in 2014 against L.A. Um, you know, he, he put up impressive numbers during during that that stretch of time. And, you know, it's always fun to think about the what ifs, but I think that's the ultimate one right there. Yeah, I think Ron's most disappointed they didn't get to break the jersey back out. I know. Ron, Ron's got himself two Wisniewski jerseys, so I do. We support I have, our guest here in the pod. I, I got his Team USA one, and I've actually got two of his Chicago Wolves ones. I, I one was for charity, um, for Easter Seals. So I, you know, a little special bond for me there. But uh, I, I'm I'm actually thinking about I don't I don't care that he's been gone for a decade, guys. I might be getting a Wisniewski Hawks jersey. Yeah, that one that I uh, tweeted today from the account, that would be a sweet one to have the blacks, uh, <laughs> the black, uh, you know, alternates that they wore that are just like the red and whites. But, you know, yeah. so they really need to bring that jersey back. It's, it's long overdue. They do. I got, I got a Marion Hosa in one of those and I still wear it. Plenty, but you know, I, I I absolutely need the the black Marion host. I've got the I've got that Winter Classic jersey that they wore at Wrigley, um, a, a hosted jersey like that, and I also have a, a white uh, hosted jersey. But I need to complete the collection and go with the uh, the green hosted jersey. I need <laughs> the I need the red hosted jersey, and I also need the black hosted jersey. So uh, I think that would that would complete my set very well. You also need the Hosa practice jersey like I have, too. <laughs> we talking about practice? We talking, talking about, about practice? practice? <laughs> I was talking about practice. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, that would be an incredible five jersey collection then uh, with all the colors. But, yeah, agree. You can never have enough Hosa jerseys. True. I don't think you can ever have enough Hosa jerseys. I, I actually bought I, I bought a white one. Uh, the day that it, he announced that he wasn't going to play last season. And I was like, well, time to get this before he officially potentially retires. And so now I've got, I've got the white one too. So Smart move. Uh, we also have a little bit of actual current Hawks stuff to talk about. Um, Jeremy Carlton and the Blackhawks did get their first win. Um, you know, the, the one thing I want to take away from this and that I want to put a little bit of a discussion about is uh, the Blackhawks did not introduce Colleton in the first home game that he was the head coach. And they went ahead and introduced him uh, the second time around. And what was he greeted with? Q. Yep, a bunch of Qs. Yep, and that caused a little bit of a shitstorm on on Twitter, saying that that was a little bit disrespectful to Jeremy Carlton. And I know we all talked about it. Um, you guys know my take on it, but I'm I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say about you know what what that meant and what that signified. Um, I'll give my piece at the end if if somebody else doesn't cover it here, but. Um, I thought that was a, a ballsy move by the Hawks to to introduce him after uh, not introducing him in the first game. Yeah, I mean, I think 
you know, I it wasn't overwhelming because I, I finally got to listen to the video again and, you know, hear it back and really kind of digest it. And it, it wasn't an overwhelming. It wasn't like when Q was there as everybody in the stadium was saying Q. They were, they were kind of muffled. And I think that was more of some of the diehard Q fans that just miss him trying to send a, a, a shot at the front office. I don't think it was a shot at Carlton. Some of them may very well have been because I think you guys have probably seen it on Twitter. There are some people that are just, for whatever forsaken reason, angry at Jeremy Carlton, even though he did absolutely nothing. You know, I, I was, it's actually one of the kids I know that I, I kind of grew up with. I've been following his Twitter stuff and like every single time there's something Jeremy Carlton related to the news. He's like, ah, oh, fuck this guy. I'm like, dude, how are you going to blame him? Like, I know you miss Q, but damn. So, I mean, yeah, I think it's there's some mixed possibilities there for what it what it really meant toward toward JC versus maybe the front office. Yeah, I, uh, I want to lean that it's more towards just like a message to the front office. Um, I, I don't I, for the most part, there's probably, you know, you're going to get your few uh, hotheads in there that'll be vocal about it on Twitter or whatever. But for the most part, it's more of a shot at Stan Bowman saying that, you know, we miss our coach. Um, he was the wrong one that, you know, got fired. It should have been, you know, Bowman instead. Um, but, you know, Tony, you and I talked about it a little bit. I think it's it, it, it's more of a solidarity stand with Q than an attack on Colladin. Yeah, I, I I absolutely agree, and and that's my point behind it. I saw some people come out and say that it was a disgusting uh, act by Blackhawks fans to do so. Uh, I don't I don't really think so. I'm not really in that camp. I think that uh, you know it, we have very limited ways to send messages to this organization, uh, and this is one of them. Um, I I do want to comment on how I think it was a coward move by the Blackhawks to not allow signs in the stadium during the first game, uh, that, that Carlton was, was coaching. Um, you know, they've traditionally had sign making stands throughout the concourse for kids to make signs for anybody to make signs. It's been a part of, you know, the Blackhawks game experience and, um, you know, to, to kind of take that away. And then, uh, I also heard that they were, you know, confiscating signs at the door, uh, you know, for an organization that said that they expected an avalanche of criticism, they certainly went out of their way to make sure that they didn't get any criticism that was displayable to the public or fans attending the game. Many of who uh, were the, you know, the deliverers of the said criticism uh, that that I think is a very cowardice move by the Blackhawks. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that continues throughout the year. I, I didn't hear anything about whether or not signs were allowed or, or not allowed during game two of the Carlton era. But, you, you know, you don't want to see a team taking away a fan's voice. Um, you know, the only reason that this organization even exists uh, and makes any money is us. And to, you know, kind of try and hush the voice of the fans, I think was a little bit of a, a another shot to the, to the gut of Blackhawks faithful. Um, you know, but enough about that. Uh, Jeremy Carlton did get his first win um, in in kind of an interesting game. Uh, did you guys did you guys partake in in viewing that game and and what were your thoughts on that? Um, you know, it was it was kind of a low scoring affair, so um, the Hawks did battle it out and and come out on top. 
you know, and, and that was good. And then we'll get into a little bit of, of Brent Seabrook defense, and I think we can close it out after that because I, I do want to talk about uh, the hmm. fish out of the water in, in just a minute. Yeah, I mean, I did actually get to see last night's game. I was I was up at a bar with a friend watching it. And, um, you know, I think I, what I was really happy about was some of the flashes that had been seen during the first couple of games of the Colleton era kind of was put together into a full game finally because uh, I think back specifically to the Philadelphia game uh, last Saturday, you know, they came out looking really good. They came out with good pace. They came out flying. They came out, you know, looking like a team that wanted to win. And then they, like, second and third period just totally disappeared and reverted back to not playing with pace. Um, last night, they finally, I think, played with pace a good majority of the game. And I think you saw what can happen, you know. Um, obviously, Corey was great. I think the defense played decently well. I mean, they weren't perfect, but you know, better than they have been, you know. Uh, and let's be honest, guys. Anytime they beat St. Louis, it's always beautiful. So uh, I say good on Colleton getting his first win against a, a much-hated division rival. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I watched I watch the whole game. Um, I was happy to see uh, Gustav Forsling back. Um, he didn't wow anyone, but he also didn't make a turnover that makes you scratch your head. Um, I think that also helped Brandon Manning a bit, have someone that's a little more stable there. Cause we all know what kind of a train wreck it's been for, uh, Jan Ruda, um, this season so far. Um, but you know what, in a game like that, you know, it was an odd ball goal. It was on the power. Sure. It counts as a power play goal in the stat sheet, but you look at it and Seabrook walks to the, you know, low slot, fires one on Allen. It kind of pops up over his shoulder. And it was that Bo Meester that gets in behind him. And as Bo Meester is trying to get himself up, he kicks the puck into the net. That was the only scoring all night, either team. Um, so, I mean, you know what? It's, it feels like it's about time that some bounces have gone our way. Um, so I remember watching some games on the Canadian road swing, um, especially uh, in Vancouver, that game. I just remember, I, so what I do when I watch some of these games and I have my laptop in front of me and I'm able to really track stats, I'll pull up um, this nice site. It's called uh, nat, or is it, yeah, naturalstattrick.com. And it gives you like the live, you know, uh, Corsi 4, Fenwick 4 against High Danger, all that stuff. So a game like that at Vancouver, you're dominating for most of the game. And then we end up, you know, a couple bad breaks. Um, go against us. We end up losing that game like four to two. Then last night blues, we, we started out okay, but then the blues, they just shot up in the, all these categories and they ended up finishing with 51, 42 in shot attempts, 28, 19 in shots on goal and nine to seven in high danger chances. So maybe not a game that we completely deserve to win, but you'll take those anyway. You can get them. Um, just, I, I was, I was satisfied with, the um back checking too um we we supported a lot better um when pucks were in dangerous zones whereas i feel like we've left those hanging for the other team to just scoop up and get us playing on our heels so i I was happier with the effort last night maybe not the you know i'd like to see a little more us driving that possession those numbers possession wise but overall uh, i was satisfied with the effort of the guys so Yeah, I feel you on that. Um, 
it, it, like you like you touched on it's it's always good to see them get a win against St. Louis. Uh, fuck those guys, um, because we can't say fuck Detroit anymore. Uh, well, as much, but you know, um, wakey wakey Bacchus was always a fun time. For me. Oh God. Um, <laughs> but you know, other than that, um, I, I did want to touch a little bit on the uh, the the Brent Seabrook flop that he had the other day. Um, was that not one of the worst defensive plays that you guys have seen Brent Seabrook, let alone most defensemen make in the NHL? <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if we're going to close it out on something a little bit comical, um, how's Brent Seabrook, you know, looking like he's doing the worm on the ice for you, I feel. I mean, that, I mean, that was, that was such a show. Um, I, I just wonder what was going through his head during that time. Yeah, I, I don't know if he thought Aho wasn't going to be able to just dance around him. It, it would be different if it was a fourth line guy out there, and he kind of laid down like that because then the guy might not know what the hell to do with it and might just put like an easy shot on net that Ward could have stopped. But it's Sebastian Aho. Like he's a good player. He's going to dance around you no matter what. Um, yeah, the word that came to mind was starfish. Um, on the ice, just kind of, <laughs> you might as well have just, you know, laid there because he was absolutely useless on the play. But yeah, I don't know. It, it pains me even more that it's Seabrook because if it was Jan Ruda or Brandon Manning or Brandon Davidson, I would have just been like, well, fuck it. This is what we expected. Right. You know, but when right, it's, um, at least, especially cause Seabs has looked better this year. You know, I don't know if he just got in better shape or whatever, but you know, he, he's looked better this year compared to last year. So it's like, mm-hmm. ah, Seabs, come on, my guy. You like, know, you uh, know, even if he just went down to the knee and was able to get back up and recover, I mean, I think that's it. Um, you know, we do have a strategy in NHL 19 and NHL 18, you know, uh, on Xbox where we, we call it operation Laydown. Um, and that's where if you go up like five or six goals, you just have all your defensive players lay down in the slot. Um, I've got some YouTube videos that I'll show you guys. People have, people have done it. I actually have clips uh, uh, myself of us performing this, and it, it really Fs with the other players. I'm wondering if Brent Seabrook watched those clips of people playing NHL and, and just laying down in the slot. Um, it works much better in video game hockey because yeah. what ends up happening is, uh, you know, people try and make a pass or they try and skate around you and then they fumble over themselves or, or whatever. But, uh, apparently it doesn't work in real hockey. Um, we'll try it sometime. We all get on NHL 19. We'll, we'll try operation lay down. I'm actually going to change the name from Operation Laydown to Operation Brent Seabrook, and <laughs> we'll go from there. But, uh, yeah, that that was my take on that, is he, he probably was watching or playing a little too much video game hockey and figured he could just throw the laydown move out there. Uh, didn't work. Yeah. But Tony, I thought that was a very winnable game. Oh, yeah. It's, Monday night, it's, yeah. It pissed me off a lot about it. Yeah, the with – with that though, when you're talking about Operation Seabrook, there his go-to move though kind of is like you know you ever see him like having to defend a two-on-one. He likes to instead oh, yeah, of just, having to go and take to take away the pass, he's just going to try and use his length and throw a stick out there and you know block it any way he can. So that unfortunately you know made him look bad Monday night. You no, know, that's a that's a great shirt idea for Four Feathers Pod is is Operation Seabrook with Seabrook just sprawled out on the ground. <laughs> 
<laughs> I would wear it everywhere I go, too. We can make it happen. We're going to have to make that happen. I think it's fantastic. Uh, all righty. Well, upcoming this week, uh, tomorrow night, Friday, well, I guess today, when this is going to be released, uh, host the struggling LA Kings. So that should be another winnable game for the Blackhawks, 7.30 at the United Center. Sunday, home versus Minnesota, uh, 5 o'clock. I know I'll be watching that instead of the Bears. Um, sorry about your Bears. And next Wednesday, we're at Washington, starting a tough stretch of schedule um, at 6 p.m. So uh, what are you guys looking forward to most this week for the Hawks? Uh, I just liked Ron's face when you said that you're going to be watching hockey instead of the Bears. And now I just have to say, Ron, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> I will be watching both. That's the thing. You just have one up on one and one up on the other. So, Didn't we have this conversation before, Ron, where I had to talk talk to you about multitasking? I'm golden. You were like, oh, I was watching the playoff baseball game or whatever. I was like, you ever heard of a phone and uh, streaming? Yeah. yeah. Having one up of each. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, no. I mean – it won't overlap too much, so I'll still be no. able to catch the good part of the Bears. That's game. true. I do like the five o'clock start um, because if things do go south in the Bears game, I can just go to sleep early and get a good night's sleep before work the next day. So oh. there's always a positive there. But yeah, um, uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you get. I was just gonna say. I think I'm actually looking forward to seeing the LA game. I think because of their struggles in net that they've had, and I'm pretty sure Peter Budai is going to be their starting goaltender for tomorrow night, or well, tonight's game when this is released. Um, I'm interested to see how they respond. I'm hoping they respond well too, especially after coming over really a good, a decent win over you know a division rival. Hopefully they carry some of that, as as Wiz said, that mo into uh, into into the game. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I think coming up. Yeah, so one thing that I'm really looking forward to, um, Sunday, uh, since it's, you know, Hockey Fights Cancer Month, uh, the Blackhawks are going to be having Eddie O do his first, or the last shift, and uh, be honored on the ice before the game, you know, as he is a colon cancer survivor. So I'm sure that'll be a very emotional moment for him and most Blackhawks fans. So good for Eddie O. I'm glad the Blackhawks are making that a point to do it, you know, uh, in a timely fashion with this being uh, Hockey Fights Cancer Month. so Yeah, a lot of onion cutting going to be going on. Yep. Yeah, and and you you actually brought up another guy that I wanted to kind of briefly, briefly touch on is I'm most look, uh, looking forward to Eddie O uh, talk more about how he feels about the current state of the Blackhawks. Um, if you guys haven't caught some of this, mm-hmm. Eddie O's been very vocal. Not, not so much you know, directing hate or anger, but very vocal on the way that things should be handled within the Blackhawks organization, such as the power play, you know, how they should be running the offense, some of that stuff. And he's provided, I feel like a lot of the way that he would coach the team. Um, And I kind of actually wonder if Eddie's a little bit uh, upset that he wasn't considered uh, (laughs) for the coaching spot, kind of a little bit of the, this week's hot take, uh, I think that Eddie O kind of wanted that Hawks coaching coaching job, and feels like he was passed over. Just just my thought, uh, but that could kind of be why he's been directing some of the comments during the broadcast the way he has been. 
Yeah, you can definitely tell he's speaking with a little more conviction because, you know, when him and Foley are joking, it's all lighthearted and he's got that, you know, kind of soft voice. But he's definitely speaking with a purpose there. So I think you're on to something, Tony. Yeah, um, that, you know, like I said, there's my there's my hot take of the week. But, uh, you know, that's that's all I have to say is I, I've kind of enjoyed some of the broadcasts with a little bit more angst. Uh, we talked about it a little off air. I'm a Hawk Harrelson guy, so. You know, I like a pissed off broadcaster. It's, you know, been in my been in my blood since I've been growing up. And, you know, seeing Eddie O and Pat Foley a little bit more riled has been has been fun, even though it's been to the dismay of, you know, the average Hawks fan. Yeah, good point. You guys got anything else or are you ready to close it out? I think we're ready to close it out. We'll see what this week brings in uh, Eddie O and Pat Foley uh, commentary. One quick side note uh, for our T-shirt idea of Operation Seabrook. Um, for copyright and trademark reasons, uh, we probably can't have the Indian head on the shoulder of the jersey, so we should put a starfish on the shoulder of the jersey. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my comment also, to close it out. <laughs> we'll also be selling we'll also be selling forties for Fortin shirts as well sometime oh, in the yes. future. That's a must. Yeah, if he ever gets back in the lineup, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh man. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, it's been a pleasure talking Hawks with you guys. Ron, thank you for landing that awesome interview. Uh, I had a great time talking to James tonight. Um, Tyler somewhere got fired during the rest of this episode. I don't know what he did. <laughs> We're going to have to review. We're going to review Tyler's contract off air at some point in time. Uh, just if anybody was wondering, you know, we, we kind of had to put the, put the hush on Tyler. Uh, not quite sure where he went after we told him that he needed to get out. Uh, so we're going to try and go find Tyler. Um, hopefully he's not wandering the streets too far down the road at this point in time. Guys, uh, have a good week. Until then, cheers. Go Blackhawks. Cheers. Go Blackhawks. Go Hawks. Hawks.